I'm going to edit this quite a bit. This is going to sound great. We're all going to sound real smart. Don't worry. <laughs> Welcome to Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie? With me today, as always, is my handsome co-host, Dez. Good evening. <laughs> and our very special guest, a writer and podcaster in her own right, our good friend, Michelle. Hey, I'd buy this podcast for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be the only one. <laughs> today, we will be reviewing 1987 science fiction action film, RoboCop, starring Peter Weller and Nancy Allen. It was directed by Paul Verhoeven, and the screenplay was written by Edward Neumeyer and Michael Miner. As always, today's podcast will be full of spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie yet and don't want to be spoiled, go watch it and come back to listen. First, let's take a listen to the trailer. All Detroit has a cancer. The cancer is crime. We need a self-sufficient law enforcement robot. How long will it take? We can go to prototype within 90 days. Where are you from? Petro South. Welcome to hell. All units, all units, check your nine. Better alive, you're coming with me. Welcome back to the podcast. Des, would you like to start us off with a quick synopsis? I would love to give you a synopsis, and here it is. In the near future, Detroit is on the verge of collapse due to unchecked crime. Family man and honest cop Alex Murphy gets transferred to the worst precinct in town and finds a new partner in tough Ann Lewis. On their first day together, they engage in a highway shootout with a gang of criminals. Murphy and Lewis trail those criminals to a steel mill, but they become separated and Murphy is captured. The criminals torture Murphy, and crime boss Bodecker personally shoots him through the head. Lewis is too late to help and finds Murphy dead. Meanwhile, Detroit megacorporation OCP enters into a contract with the city to run the police force, effectively privatizing it. Recognizing that human law enforcers are insufficient to stop crime, OCP creates a cyborg robocop program. As Officer Murphy is the most recent cop to die, he volunteers to be the prototype, and his body is joined with armor and artificial intelligence. All of this infuriates corrupt OCP executive Dick Jones, whose own crime-stopping program was axed in favor of the RoboCop. So, funny story to get us going. I used the talk into the remote thing to find RoboCop when I was looking for it to do the review. And when it came up, it said it had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 49%. And I was like, 
how is that possible? Like Robocop got a 49%. And I was like, I think something's wrong here. And it like took me a minute. They, it was the, the 2014 remake, not the original, not the 1987. Then the original has a 91% reviewer and an 84% viewer. So just a heads up, this review is for the original from 1987, not the crappy remake. I don't know if I ever saw the remake, honestly. I didn't don't. either. <laughs> okay. It will destroy your childhood and, and everything good about it. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you guys, and um, Michelle in particular here, is this a drama action police movie or is this a super realistic like grindhouse horror movie okay <laughs> well um you know at first glance i wouldn't say it's a grindhouse horror movie <laughs> however <laughs> there are a couple scenes that make you go whoa i think i just stumbled into another genre okay <laughs> okay um you know but like it has so many layers that you're like this is a legit movie that has a lot to say about society, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it also is a crazy action film. It is a sci-fi film. Like, it is amazing. The writing is good. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's you You would go RoboCop, like, what the heck is that crap? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. But it, just listening to it, you're like, this is going to be a B movie or some crap. But oh. it's it's so amazing. I, and, I just yeah. And twenty eight deaths in this movie. Twenty eight graphic horrifying deaths. <laughs> <laughs> it I doesn't have feel like that many. <laughs> well, it is. It's twenty eight. I'm sure we're gonna talk about each other's favorite deaths, maybe. Oh yeah. Later. <laughs> Yeah, we might have to. That might might have to be a thing we start doing for each movie. What was your favorite death? <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> All right, shall we get into the scenes? Let's do it. All right. So the movie starts us out with a fake news report. It introduces the kind of world this movie's set in. It's in Detroit. There's discussion of cops that have been killed. You hear the names of uh, the different cops that have been killed already, and then you also hear the name Omni Consumer Products. OCP, and you meet their senior president, Richard Jones, for the first time. They are a corporation that's funding and running the police departments. Also, you're introduced to one of our bad guys, Clarence Bottinger, played by Kurtwood Smith of that 70s show fame. During the broadcast, as a newscaster explains that one of the injured policemen was able to escape and identified him as being involved. So he's now sought in connection to the deaths of 31 police officers. There's also a really hilarious fake commercial for an artificial heart during the broadcast. And Lisa yeah, by Gibbons, Yamaha. Yeah, by Yamaha. <laughs> and Lisa Gibbons, uh, who go goes on to become a real, you know, kind of entertainment newscaster, makes an appearance here uh, early in her career. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so interesting way to start off a movie. It's uh, kind of like a fake newscast. Um, Michelle, what are you feeling about the setup? Is it, is it a good setup? Does it let you know what's going on in this world already? You know, I think that it's super, super effective because, you know, it's not even like an info dump. It's a really cool way to let the audience know that this is not present day. This is not going to be anything that you're going to see in everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, and it also does it really cleverly. Like you can tell that the world is somewhat dystopian, you right. know, that this is this is kind of a crappy version, although Detroit, 
you know, <laughs> setting in Detroit, nothing against anybody living in Detroit, but it's it got its troubles. Now. Yeah, it's it's a little rough now. So it's an interesting choice that they put it in Detroit, um, you know, for a cop movie. I, I think that that's actually pretty cool. All right. And Des, anything to say? Yeah. I mean, we find ourselves back in Detroit after last week and uh, <laughs> got a little different vibe in this movie from Beverly Hills Cop. But once again, Detroit is looking pretty rough around the edges and pretty violent. And, you know, it's funny, Michelle, that you actually said about the, you know, you didn't think it was a heavy information dump in the beginning during the news broadcast. And one of my questions was, you know, they give you the plot basically in that little three second news clip where, you know, we're going to find out that, you know, OCP is taking over the police. Basically, they don't, uh, you know, the police uh, um, union doesn't trust OCP. And I didn't feel like it was an overload on the information dump, but they definitely set up the plot, like you said, in a really smart, quick way to kind of let you know what we're getting into. Yeah. And, and on top of it, it like it definitely sets up the expectation that it's going to be a shit show. Like, for lack of a better, you're like, oh, privatize the police, yeah, you know, by a by a greedy corporation. Yeah, was was there any foreshadowing in your mind between uh, Dick Jones and the mob boss uh, Clarence? You know, it's if you think about corporations being corrupt and all this kind of stuff, you might think that, Uh, but you know, like at the same time, I don't think it was a hundred percent predictable. They both felt like bad guys on the first introduction to me anyway. I didn't yeah. feel like Dick Jones was a good guy from his uh, oh. three-second clip. <laughs> I mean, he's Dick, you know. <laughs> he is Dick. <laughs> he's Dick. <laughs> yeah, I also felt like it sets you up for, here's the news. It's terrible. It's horrible. Here's a funny commercial. And now back to death. Like, it yeah. sets you up for the fact that this movie has a ton of really heavy stuff happening. But then they tell you a joke. Yeah, and on on that note, um, the people that made RoboCop also were involved in another favorite of mine, Starship Troopers. Mm. Um, Starship Troopers has the same kind of thing. You know, it's set in the future with a corrupt situation, uh, military also involved, some kind of, you know, law enforcement situation. And they have that same thing where they put these, you know, um, commercials in it to sort of like play up the satire on it, the dark satire of it a little bit. So it's kind of a cool technique, I think, you know? Yeah, ultra-violent, too, both of them. Yeah, things exploding horribly. (laughs) 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 But, like, gloriously at the same time. And the commercials. The commercials, (laughs) too, like you said, that the, like the Lynn said, the fingerprint is, like, it's so, it's so present there. Next, we find ourselves in an actual police station. It's a sharp contrast to the glass-walled office that OCP president was sitting in before. It's loud, it's crowded, it's dirty, it's chaotic. Alex Murphy, played by Peter Weller, enters and introduces himself to Sergeant Reed, played by Robert Doki. He's transferring in from another precinct. This is his first day on the job. It's clear that where he's coming from was probably a little bit more peaceful, and he looks a little out of place, but he's told to suit up and get ready to go out and patrol. The locker room is full of other cops complaining about the job and they're threatening to strike. This is the first time we hear about them talking to talking about striking. Actually, you know, the cops talking about it, even though there was a little nugget of it in the news, uh, the newscast. Reed appears and removes one of the nameplates from a locker. This is the guy who had fingered Bottinger. He's now dead. 
and he tells them all there's going to be a funeral tomorrow. He expects people to be there and he doesn't want to hear anything else about a strike. Um, and I found this an interesting thing. There's the juxta juxtaposition of removing his nameplate. And then within like three minutes later, Murphy shuts his locker door and they show a close up of his nameplate. And it was like, that's foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that the, uh, I mean, obviously you guys know the cop that died. I think that he was considered the first uh, prospect to be the Robocop, but he died. Oh, that I didn't know. I did not know well, that. Well, I didn't know that. I just was kind of putting that together because at one point later in the movie, um, one of the guys will say to the younger OCP guy, um, you know, shame about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, the cop. And he knew about that cop that died. And he said, shame is in you just lost your uh, candidate. Oh, good, good one there. I yeah. totally was just glossing over some of the names in that. But yeah. that makes a lot of sense. They're like, well, we're waiting. And then it, now that you say that it makes me wonder, okay, were they not able to get his body in time? Were they like, what happened that that failed? Like, I'm right. curious now. But anyway. Right. That's later on. I'm sure we're going to discuss that part. I also found it really interesting that men and women are in the same locker room. Like there's a woman just putting on body armor, like half naked right next to all the dudes. And I was like, okay. Like I, I love that though, because like you get a real sense of fraternity from these cops. Like they yes. really all are a family. They don't care where you come from, who you are, whatever. Like, and let's, so you talk about him having his first day on the job. Let's, let's discuss that shirt. Oh yeah. <laughs> that shirt that he wore. So like, if that doesn't tell you he's coming from like a nicer place, maybe right. like a party, he's wearing like a Hawaiian shirt looking thing. Yeah. Um, totally like top of eighties fashion. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's and, definitely and chess else. king. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Michelle, I think, and now I'm not, I might be mis mistaking this for another movie but if i'm not mistaken they did this locker room deal in starship troopers as well where it was a co-ed shower yes right you are and right. Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure that the director um they called him on his decision to do this and they're you know forcing the actors to do this and he said you know what i have no problem with it i would do it and he got naked for the shooting of that and was naked in front of the cast while they shot that scene oh that's great but you know what the thing is is there was no sexualization Right. No. So I think that people being ashamed of just being naked and having no like they weren't even looking at the women and the, the women weren't looking at the men like weirdly. It was just yep. it just was right. 100%. So I really appreciate that because, again, yep. military, same. Right. You right. probably aren't supposed to be thinking that in Starship Troopers the same. So I, I like that that detail a lot. And another and another comparison between the two movies that I hadn't put together till you said that. So it's really cool. Get the feeling from this police station scene that like, you know, Detroit's maybe on the edge of like losing, you know, losing control and maybe yeah. it's starting to become a, you know, like a, a futuristically lawless, lawless city. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of got that vibe. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Things are falling apart. It's yeah. clear that things are falling apart, that they're trying, they're trying to protect people, but they're, it's almost like they just, it's coming at them so fast and so hard. They can't stop it. Yeah, and then yeah. later on, we're going to have, I think, maybe the next scene or so when we see the boardroom scene with uh, with yeah. the OCP fellows. And, you know, the old man, as they call him, is like, Detroit has a cancer, and that cancer is crime. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's what he says. <laughs> he so does. Already, you totally, like, um, it sets it up. Again, you're like, this is great. It's It's so succinct, the way they write everything. You're not guessing, you know, which I think is really good. Right. Yes. 
Agreed. And, uh, you know, that also we can't gloss over the fact that, you know, Lewis kicks the shit out of the perp they're bringing in that was, you know, yes. three guys couldn't handle, which yeah, I love. That's where I was going next. <laughs> okay. She's a badass. <laughs> she is. She is a badass in this. Okay. So here we have Ann Lewis, who is played by Nancy Allen. She's in that precinct lobby roughing up the suspect she just brought in because he's arresting arrest. So she uh, decides to take it out on his face. <laughs> <laughs> So this is where Lewis finds out that her new partner is going to be Murphy. When they're heading out on patrol, Lewis says she'll drive until he knows the neighborhood and Murphy's not having any of that. He jumps behind the wheel, peels out and bottoms out on his way up the ramp. <laughs> yes, which will come back in a later scene. Yes, it will. Yeah, I love that too, because they gave him so many like personal things. And in a that, quick time too. Yeah, yeah. And then they show it later and you're like, oh, you know. There's in case still you a little Murphy. Yeah, yeah, which was kind of cool. So next we're going to a meeting at OCP. They're in the big boardroom and there's a lot of aggressive corporate nonsense happening. They're about to un uh, unveil the plans for OCP's Delta City. So basically what they want to do is they want to raise old Detroit and build this gorgeous new city on top of where old Detroit is. But that means that you have to take care of all the crime and get all the non-desirables out of old Detroit. And he's also considering the fact that they're going to send 2 million workers into De old Detroit to build Delta City. Um, and they can't have all this crime happening in that time. So he's like the community suffering, law enforcement suffering, which is true. That's actually not wrong. That is uh, a valid point. The community is suffering, but you're not going to make it better by forcing them out of their homes and build building Delta City. But that's neither here nor there at the moment. So... Dick Jones decides that he's going to give something back to the community. And he's introducing to them the ED-209, which is an automated police officer robot. And what does ED stand for? Auto ED I don't know. You know, you I don't know what it stands for. It's, 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 <laughs> it stands for, it stands for dry. back the fuck up. Oh, it does. It's always 20 seconds to comply to. It's so an that's enforcement it. droid. That's what it is. I knew it stood for oh, something. Oh, all right. That He's an enforcement sense. droid. He's scary. He, he is. is friggin' scary. I think when I first saw this movie, I was like, Jesus! Like, he really, like, it's almost like when you watch Terminator and they really made, you know, they made the Terminator really scary. So, yes. like, you really get this, you know who the bad guy is. Let's put it that way. One of the bad guys is up. So basically, Dick Jones wants to do a simulation to show off the, the Ed 209 and uh, tells one of the execs to grab a gun and threaten the Ed 209. And uh, as you can guess, this is not really going to go well, because even though he complies, the Ed 209 malfunctions. And this is like the first really brutal kill that we see in the movie. And he just the Ed 209 just unloads with an automatic what is it like a machine gun rifle type oh, thing? Oh man, yeah. And just basically like a, tears the guy apart. Let's not let's not jump across though, real quick, because I want to hear everybody's thoughts. So we get to see Ed two hundred nine for the first time, and mm -hmm. it's got some stop motion that's a little janky. But I think the stop motion almost added to the the drama of this of this robot. Like this thing, the minute I see it, I'm feeling anxiety. I'm like, this thing is badass. <laughs> this thing yeah. is. This thing is dangerous. It's not properly tested. It's heavily armed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michelle, what do you think? Got too many guns for arms. I mean, what the heck, you know? Um, 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's do it. And the voice on this thing, okay? Like, they don't stop there. They don't stop with the look of it. Um, no. It's that voice. It's just like, oh, crap, you yeah. know? And and it makes me laugh a little bit because when he's holding the gun and, uh, you know, Dick is like, pointed at Ed 209, you know? <laughs> and and you're like, oh, and he's like, ha-ha, you know, because he's thinking oh. it's just going to be some fun little exercise. I feel bad for that dude instantly yeah. Yeah. i mean i don't even know the guy's name but instantly i'm like oh crap like yeah in there <laughs> the the uh the little control panel that they're trying to like stop him with is just so funny and they're like opening it up and like ah yeah you got 20 seconds to figure this out and and they really build this they build this kill up the the drama and it's just yeah. uh, i'm 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 feeling it i'm really feeling it this is a freaking great scene and it's ultra ultra violent mr kenny use your gun in a threatening manner <laughs> pointed at ed 209 yes sir please put down your weapon you have 20 seconds to comply i think you'd better do what he says mr kenny you now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation of section 9. You now have 5 seconds to guys think okay because the thing that i notice a lot in this scene is that they're just like pushing this poor dude because okay. nobody wants to be near him right <laughs> yeah. like and i was thinking to myself like would i push this poor dude like what would i do in this situation like i i don't know would i dive under that freaking uh boardroom table <laughs> i would stand like, right behind ed 209 of course <laughs> <laughs> hey that's a good idea if you were the guy like th there was no way he could have gotten away with that right i think there's no way he could have got away from that no, I mean, how fast dead. can you run from a gun, no. you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. no, by the time they figured out there was a problem, he had about four seconds left. It was over. <laughs> yeah. and let me let me ask you guys. So another thing that I noticed about this movie in general, until maybe the last couple of kills, like in the in the final scenes at the um, at the plant again, um, like I've watched movies like Hostel and these like, you know, ultra gore movies recently. And a lot of the times, even with modern day movie making i feel like the the gore just looks kind of cheap and fake i feel like they got the gore right in this especially for like how long ago it was made dude they they did like when he shot the guy up okay in the very first violent scene here when ed, ed unloads his gatling gun arms um and i mean it it was yeah you weren't like this looks like a b movie or anything like the blood was great the, yes the explosions were good uh yep. on the the blood popping out and i'm like they did they did a good job and so like the rest of the kills too all of them oh. super realistic and good like it, yeah and we're gonna get to one that is like nightmare fuel like yes. it's <laughs> and, and it's 
And it's funny because a lot of times when you leave the camera on some of this gore too long, it like loses its um, weight. And in this case, and we're not going <laughs> to get into it now, but no, it didn't. Okay. No, I'm already yeah. laughing because I know I know probably what we're going to talk about. But yeah, let's let's move on. <laughs> so just quickly before we move on, I will say that um so uh Morton brings up the RoboCop plan to the head of OCP because OCP's head is like saying to to Dick, "I'm very very disappointed in your son" or whatever he says to him. Yeah, yeah so, it's a glitch, and he says yeah. it's a glitch. Yeah, it's a glitch, and it, a dead dude is a glitch. So um, Morton kind of weaselies his his way in there, and he says, uh, "I've got this idea for RoboCop," and bleep, bleep, bleep. so. This is how the RoboCop thing starts actually going into motion, that he's got the green light now, he's got the old man behind him, and Dick Jones is in the doghouse. So, And it yeah. sets up the the, uh, the animosity between Dick and, and Morton as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, which uh, is Dick great. Dick and Bob. Dick and Bob. <laughs> which Dick, and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Dick and Bob. It's her name. So it is. Yeah. It is uh, her name. Let's. Let's not gloss over that they were asking for a paramedic. <laughs> oh, that's right. Poor guy. Right. Oh, was man. After the first shot, they're like, get a paramedic. How about a doggy bag? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. All right, guys. So now Murphy and Lewis are having a cup of coffee. And Lewis remarks on Murphy's fancy twirling of his gun. You know, he's doing the old thing. He claims it's because his kid thinks it's cool. TJ Laser does it too, which I think is uh, what is the the Shatner TJ Sh Hooker. Uh, TJ Hooker. So I think it was a little callback <laughs> to TJ Hooker. Um, but with a little more digging from Lewis, well, digging is saying politely. Lewis just gives him the old hairy eyeball. He says, "Yeah, I really actually think it's cool too." So <laughs> then they get a call to respond to a crime. They take off. Clarence Bodiger and his crew have stolen a bunch of money and they're making a getaway in a box van. Lewis and Murphy catch up to them and a shootout ensues. Clarence throws one of his gang out the back onto the van of the van onto the cops, but they continue to chase them. They end up in a rundown factory and split up in search of the suspects. Lewis gets knocked out by a bad guy named Joe and Murphy finds two of his suspects. Now here is where you kind of like start to get some of the um, personality of the bad guys, you know, as opposed to just mm -hmm. being quote unquote villains or bad guys, you actually are starting to get a little personality. You get to see for the first time that silly, um, I'd buy that for a dollar on the TV and the guys think it's funny. They're all laughing and you get to meet Emil. And this is when Murphy gets to give his line dead or alive. You're coming with me. Let's so, take a listen to that. Yeah. Let's listen to that one. Better alive, you're coming with me. So, Delin, it was funny. You said that you were starting to get a feel for the the gang, and you know, and I'm gonna say that throughout this entire movie, and this goes for the good guys, the bad guys, the neutral characters, everybody. There is a huge disregard for human life, and this goes from like the doctors, you know, lose the arm. It goes for the the shootout in the van. The guy gets shot in the leg. Ah, screw him. Throw him on the fucking car. Dick Jones witnessing his coworker being brutally gunned down by Ed 209 and referring to it as a glitch. I mean, nobody gives a shit about anybody in this movie. No, true. You get the good juxtaposition with the heroes, though, which is basically Murphy and Lewis. Yes. Um, and the, I guess, what is he, the sergeant, the captain? Oh, Reed. Precinct Reed, yeah. Uh, so they really set up the heroes, like, really well. 
Like yes. you could be like, all right. Uh, and, and I think like you're talking about this characterization, that's when you first like see Clarence and how, how much he's willing to do mm -hmm. to right. just do his stuff because he's, can you fly Bobby? You oh, know, great. and he freaking throws his dude. His name was Bobby, I think. But I think yes. you're right. <laughs> Bobby. No, that's it. That's and, uh, it. Can you fly, Bobby? And you're in all clearance. And, you know, of course, the other guys are laughing about it, too. So they don't even care about their own buddy, right? It's just one of those, like, you get the sense that they're just all together for themselves and whatever, right? They don't care about anybody in their little gang, shall we say. Yeah. And, and Verhoeven, he goes out of his way to make every single gunshot ultra gory like even the shot in the thigh it's like oh you know yes. Looks, yes you know it looks painful there's meat hanging out i mean it's like wow yeah <laughs> and i mean we're coming up i think uh now that they are chasing these guys so they're a little quote-unquote hideout um i guess we're coming up on like one of the most intense scenes in this entire yes film. yeah lewis is a good cop too because you notice that when um when Clarence busts the back door open of the van uh, at first, when he's going to like shoot up the car, she's not there. She's pulled up alongside the passenger side. She's already, she's keen to that. And I think Clarence is a little surprised that Lewis is as savvy a cop as she is. I think they all are because they're like, yeah. oh, they're just expecting him to be there waiting to get shot, you know? Yep. And they're not. Right. Yeah. So yes, um, as, as I advertise the most brutal, Scene probably in the entire movie is coming up uh, when Murphy attempts to arrest Emil, he gets ambushed and the rest of the gang surrounds him. And this is a really, really, really hard scene to watch. He gets his hand shot off. He gets his arm shot off. They fill him so full of so much lead. They're laughing. They're teasing him. And finally they shoot him in the head. And as far as we can tell as a viewer, he's dead. Right. Well, before that happens, though, you know, they go into the warehouse. Let me ask you guys, is this a mistake for them to split up right in the beginning? I mean, there's only two of them. Yeah. Yes. And they were calling for backup and they said 20 minutes out for backup. And I actually think Lewis has some guilt because he says, call it Lewis. Like, are we going in or are we waiting? And she said, let's go. Yeah. And, and I, maybe if they had waited, it wouldn't have happened. And maybe if they had stuck together instead of going in separately, they could have, you know, had each other's backs a little tighter. And I was also a little disappointed that Lewis, because the way they set her up, you know, she's a savvy cop. And I was a little disappointed that she looked down. You guys? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, here's the thing, though, about, about her as a character. They've also established that she is a little bit of a, a wild card, a little bit of a, a cannon. Yeah. Because she's beating up that dude in the beginning like why she even have to do that i don't know right she goes above and beyond i think mm -hmm. and so i think there's a little bit of that bravado maybe you can read into it as hey you know i'm a woman on the force i'm trying to prove hold my own here uh, you could think that but like you mentioned to lynn that there was some guilt um but and you would think that but she does not actually at least i didn't see it she doesn't actually let on that she's guilty about it through the rest of the film she helps right. them right but i don't think that she feels bad she never has a thought like oh crap i should have called for backup right like, but if she doesn't look down at the guy's fly yes does this thing go down like that i mean she's she's now you know been taken out of the game because she looked yeah i thought that was out of character honestly. i did too i don't think she would have looked that's what i was saying i do not think she would have looked also, yeah. that she was snapping her gum, and like, are you going to snap your gum and let them know you're you're there? Like, yeah, I well, don't know no, if she would no. do that. 
No, I like that. I thought that she was saying, you know, well, cause you know, I got gotcha. you. Turn around, stand in here, oh, snap okay. on my gum. She did snap it when she was already ready with the gun on. It. Yes, true. Yes, hundred percent. But yeah, okay. the looking down at the fly was the worst. I'm like, what? Come on. She wouldn't have done it. She's not that kind of, you know. She's yeah. a, she's a hard ass cop. And yeah. I think I think there would have been a better chance of Murphy looking down than Lewis looking down <laughs> with that with that shirt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Murphy. Yeah, I think deep down Murphy wanted to look down. So, yeah, oh, that Lord. I had a problem. I had a problem with that, and you know, but that was you know no big deal. But yeah, I had a little problem with that. But it was the eighties, and I think they like to say that you know women can't you know be you know strong police officers that won't look down. Whatever they were trying to say. <laughs> but you know what? Overall, they did a good job handling the the uh, genders, though. I thought agreed. For the most part, For I really thought that they were pretty, yeah. you know, friendly. When it came to feminism. Yeah, yeah agreed. I'm like, dang, I think ahead of its time, they wasn't, except for I'd buy that for a dollar, which right. let's, let's like, let's talk about that now. So we've seen it already. And I, I want to know if you guys think that when that show comes on, it almost signals something is going to happen because when we see that show, something always happens after. Yes. And I wonder if it's almost like a, a way of, of the directors are, you know, saying, Hey guys, like pay attention to this scene hmm. coming up or something. I don't know. Yeah. Just an idea, but like they keep that Uber crazy, like misogyny in that little show in the TV. It's supposedly right? a, dire a direct nod to Benny Hill. Yes. yes. Which yeah. was very much like that. So, well, um, I saw a couple, I mean, I, I saw a, a I saw more misogynist than I think you guys did. You know, like I said, first of all, you know, with the look down scene with Lewis, which I thought disrespected that character a little bit. Um, also, you know, leave now, whores. I mean, there was some bitches <laughs> <laughs> leave. Yeah, whatever it was, it was like there was there was what? some there was some backhanded you know comments made at women in this movie. Let's not that gloss was, over it. That was Clarence, though. Yeah, it was. was a total douche. Totally. So you're like, okay, but none of, not even Bob, not even, not even the other characters did that. Honestly, it was like mostly him. Cause, oh, wait, wait a minute. That this, this horse scene, we'll, we'll probably talk about the horse scene. Yes, we we're, we're jumping ahead again, but yeah. We are. But um, uh, guys, give me your thoughts on the actual death scene. Okay, Michelle, go ahead. Cause I okay, have things right. to say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we both do. Um, the cool thing about it is like, I, uh, you know, I actually got to watch the behind the scenes for it. Mm -hmm. So they talked about how they filmed that scene. And uh, we talk about it being ahead of its time a little bit with, with some of the effects that that was, I think one of those things where you're like, man, they did a really great job with that because they did swap him out for like an animatronic. Wow. Um, in that scene and they do it so well the way they shoot it you don't know that it's not really him right mm -mm. and i was like dang and so again the the well the gore award-winning gore if there was an oscar for gore <laughs> this yeah. should have it yeah um and man though like you've only seen murphy for a short time but this scene really really makes the audience feel for him like i was like oh my gosh like mm -hmm. this dude does not deserve this and it, it was almost like a the messiah kill you know you're like okay you know he's going to be important because look at look at this you yeah. know right. and it was uh, such an over-the-top kill it's almost like yeah. they were making a point 
Yeah, and and uh, I mean, again, you see what total dirtbags these people are. So you have zero like emotions for the bad guys. Like you, I, sometimes I feel like, oh, this bad guy's got a reason for being a bad guy. No, these guys were just straight up douchebags. Like that's that's it, you know. And uh, but yeah, like oh gosh, like I don't know, so visceral and so like <laughs> I'm sitting there like oh my stomach's like clenched up and like oh my god you know so yeah super effective yeah so Verhoeven is known for his his gore and stuff and this movie originally was supposed to get a rated x um rating and <laughs> they they cut it down to lose it and get it to r and i don't know where they trimmed the fat because this looks <laughs> like rated x this this scene on top of like you know seeing bone and just ultra realistic gore What's really disturbing to me about it, and you know, it's a scene that stuck with me since the first time I saw it, is just the absolute disregard for his life and his emotions. And like as much as he's suffering, they're getting glee from it. And it's it's a really disturbing scene. And um it's just it's shock it's it's literally shocking. I, I was gonna ask you guys, do you think this might be one of the most violent, disturbing gory scenes ever shot and shown in a rated R movie. I mean, it's possible it is. I, I, for, for what I've seen, it's up there, you know, it's, it's, it's in the top, but I mean, I'm sure that there's some, you know, uh, scary movies out there that might get you past that. But for this time, this was unheard of. I mean, I'd let a I'd let a fourteen year old child watch, you know, uh, Jason from the Lake do a kill, but this is a scene that I would not show a child under the age of like seventeen. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I don't know that they'd get away with this scene now. Right. Yeah. Agree. All like censor this kind of stuff, like it. You know, like, you know, we've seen guts falling out in horror movies, um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was was kind of like the newer one, right? Because, mm -hmm. again, we're talking about the movies that came out in 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. They had no holds barred on this kind of stuff. They were really, like, really yeah. graphic. And they, you know, I think the 80s was the start of a lot more um, uh, censorship in films. Yes. Yes. Because uh, I know Reagan, I think, had a lot to do with it. Uh, so they started changing that rating system to be a little bit more stringent. And and you know what? Like, I don't know if I agree with it or not. It, I so, don't. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Like, leave this alone because it makes so much more impact. It, no it makes a more real art. world. Yeah. It makes it makes a more real world. Like when you take all the, you know, the racism, the violence, the misogynism, when you take all that out of movies it really starts feeling less like real life. And I said this in Beverly Hills Cop and a couple of the other ones, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm obviously against all that stuff like any good human being would be, but it is part of the world. And when you're trying to tell these stories that dip into these darker parts of life and you take that out, it just feels ingenuous to me. That's why I think movies from the 70s have a flavor that you won't get today, like The Bad News Bears, for instance. You couldn't make that movie today. You couldn't do it. And it's a movie for kids. And it really had a, a real life feel to it because these kids talked the way kids would have talked in the 70s. Right. Yeah. And and if you like it's a powerful vehicle, let's say that's it. It's a powerful vehicle if you handle that stuff right, because you know who is saying these things is like you said, does it happens. But if you can see it shown in this format, 
I almost think that, hey, it draws more attention to it. And you're like, hey, uh, so this total douchebag is doing this in this movie. I don't know if I want to be like this guy. Yeah, don't be a total you know, douchebag. Like, don't be a douchebag, yeah. Um, <laughs> don't be a dick or a bob or a... <laughs> <laughs> don't so, be a bobbing dick. Yeah, don't be a bobbing dick. <laughs> uh, moral of the story, kids. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, oh Lord. Yeah. So let's move on. I think that uh this scene leaves most of us a little taken aback, but suddenly Murphy is somehow still alive, which I can't quite figure out how he's still alive, but they medevac him to a hospital and they're trying to save him. Now, I also question, are they actually trying to save him or are they trying to keep him alive long enough so that OCP can get their hands on him? That's my thought. But 100%. Yes. Yeah. You hear the doctors calling the time of his death. Now, all of a sudden, you see a screen. You see scientists attaching items, discussing things in front of him, but not talking to him, not speaking to him. It's clear that they're treating him as an object at this point. Um, you know that you're seeing from Murphy's point of view because you were seeing Murphy's point of view in the hospital. So uh, he's now been taken. He's been made into something else. And you get your first little peek as he moves past a video screen. What do you think? Uh, I thought that was like so effective and so awesome because you're just hearing. And let me tell you, the, the sound of him walking, yeah. I don't know, I'm a, I'm a freak. I love it. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm like, it really lets you like, they're so like um it's just like a nice gut punch of yeah he's like it makes you feel like he's heavy first yes. of all like the weight and that he is a cyborg like you know you really get that but i love that you just see his head um in the beginning and it's kind of there. fuzzy it's like kind of out of yeah yeah, it's yeah out of view a little bit it's just like you see it but you don't see it yeah and the cool thing about seeing uh the office life through his eyes you know when they're doing all that stuff and then it's new year he gets a kiss <laughs> you know <laughs> like it was it was cool like i again i don't know that i'm really hard pressed to find uh something in this movie the way it was shot or the way it was handled that i did not like mm -hmm. so but yeah again super cool um and he gets his uh he gets his reveal which is the best yeah, I mean, this is a really slow peeling of the onion on the reveal. So the reveal in Robocop is happening. Uh, you see him through the wavy glass. You see just the shot of the back of his head. He gets into the cage with his handler. You're seeing him through, like, the wire mesh. Like, they're doing it on purpose so that you don't really get a good, good look at him on purpose. Um, because it was, uh, you know, building up that that excitement to see the, the, the Robocop, see the android in all his glory, you know? Yeah, that guy. the The fun thing about that whole part too is they have that perp in there that's all mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, I'm a repeat offender." Blah blah. And he's the guy when when RoboCop is going by, he's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> or yeah. what the hell? I I'm pretty sure he said "fuck," but I don't know. So yeah, yeah. it was like <laughs> you're like, man, like that is the audience's um. They're trying to say that's the audience speaking, right? Like you're like, yes. what the? So yeah, and. Oh, it's glorious anyway. It, okay. it is. The feet. Oh, man. Like yeah, when they no. had that first shot looking up at him it. in the chair and oh. you see those feet with the big yes. toe. Oh, I yes. loved it. It's it's the design is yeah. so good. It really is. It so really the interesting is. thing about the way he looks and the design, first of all, like this suit was super, super difficult to get um, Peter Weller into. Like mm -hmm. they put him into that suit on the first day and it took him about 10 hours. 
and they wow. missed the whole day of shooting because it took them that long to get them in the suit. Now, obviously, they f- streamlined it and got it so that they could get some shooting done, but it was very uncomfortable. He couldn't pee in it. You know, like it was like there's a there was a lot going on with that suit. And he had also done a bunch of movement work with a coach. And the coach had told him to like move like he was doing ballet. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. That's like, what? Come on. <laughs> That's not going to work either. So I'm really glad that, you know, Verhoeven st- stuck to his guns and was like, That's not going to work. You need to do it this way. Like, I guess he was kind of doing like some robot stuff, like, like the robot dance. Like, and they were like, Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> I thought Weller killed it as the robot. There's yeah, some scenes did. where he is like, you know, the robot's suffering and it's just like, Oh, yeah. 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 You really see he he ended up doing a fantastic job once they had like their come to Jesus moment and got past the like the arguing between Verhoeven and Weller. You know, they made it work and it's it's amazing. And wasn't he just driving the car around with the top part on? He wasn't wearing the bottom half of the suit when he was driving the car around. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't know that that either. I mean, but that makes sense. If they can't see the bottom, why put him in the bottom? Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure. give him a break. Give him a break. <laughs> yeah, and um, so let's see here. We're gonna uh, see the gun. Wait, before oh, yeah. we move on, before we move on, like yes. that little scene when he goes and sits in the chair, and uh, you know, that's the first time you you hear him speak, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, "When you are at rest, you will sit in a chair," and he's like, "I understand," and I'm like, "This is so cool." But then the baby food scene. Freaking my favorite, that guy. He's asking, you know, he's like, oh, so you know, like, what, what's, what's going on with him? Like, how do we run this guy? He's like, well, you know, we have a rudimentary pace that sustains his organic tissue. <laughs> this guy, I can't remember his name for the life of me. I feel like I should know it, but Bob's sidekick. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's like, tastes like baby food. <laughs> Knock <laughs> yourself I, out. <laughs> And it was like, uh, I thought that that scene was was cool. Like, I don't know, like all these little touches, like, again, they just add up to something. Like, like you said, Des, um, it makes you feel human. You know, like, there's this guy like, yay, baby food. (laughs) And I and I really liked his character. And we're going to see him in a couple of the later scenes, giving some really nice smiles and some really human touches to the movie. I I liked his character a lot. Same. You know, I, I, I'm a total freak, and, like, I like taste of baby food. Oh, I would have so, eaten it. Yeah, like, you get the little, oh, the little fruit. I don't like, like, the beef flavor. Or whatever, <laughs> no, but, no. You know, no. If you're getting fruit flavors, you're like, yeah. oh, that's yummy, banana. Yeah, give me the banana <laughs> apple sauce yeah. flavor. Give me RoboCop flavor. Yeah, yeah Robo- It looked like meatball flavor, though. That <laughs> it? it looked like meatballs. I, thought, I was thinking, ah. like prune puree or something (laughs) i don't even want to talk about how robocop goes to the bathroom can we not go there so (laughs) um well wait a second i just want to before we move ahead i want to just say that um this is also the first time we learn of robocop's prime directives which are the rules that he operates by because these are important Mm -hmm. Um, his first one is to serve the public trust his second one is to protect the innocent the third one is to uphold the law. And then there's a fourth one, but it says it's confidential. It won't show. Yep. So he's got a prime directive that he doesn't even know what it is. Classified. Yeah. Yep. He, Classified. he is going to bend these rules throughout the movie, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> his first his, montage of fighting crime, when we get yeah. there, oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I, love his, it. I love it. His first night, he's on a killing spree. I mean, let's be honest. So 
He's at the uh, shooting range and all of the cops are shooting off their pistols and it quickly becomes apparent that someone's gun is different. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone stops to watch, including Lewis, because it's loud and it's shooting fast. It's not just the regular revolver or pistol that most of the other policemen have. Um, she notices him twirl the gun and put it back in his holster and you automatically see the light bulb go ding over Lewis's head. Um, her spidey sense is tingling. Then he goes to take out a police car, grabs keys, peels out, bottoms out on the ramp with sparks flying, just like we've seen before. So yeah, obviously wiping him clean did not really make him a blank slate. Yeah. So this gun is freaking awesome, man. This is an Uzi. It's a fully automatic handgun. You put this in Lewis's hand and it's literally like uh, a machine gun. Yeah. It, it's awesome. And you notice he's, he's getting full automatic spray when he's pulling the trigger, but then the last two shots, he pop pop so we can use it like a handgun too I, I was impressed with this weapon so that weapon uh fun fun fact here that weapon is actually a modified desert eagle oh cool oh, it is a real gun that they modified to get it to do the burst that That's triple burst that you have um and to make it look more beefy but that thing exists i actually saw uh i know somebody that owns one oh, cool <laughs> and i'm like it is unmodified it's a crazy looking gun uh oh. In a dude's hand, it already looks like, what is this? <laughs> you Michelle, know? where you live, every 7-Eleven clerk has a Desert Eagle, from what I understand. <laughs> you are right. You are right. Oh, you know, just, just a regular day in the park. Yeah, or... you could actually buy one of those at Walmart down there, from yeah. what I understand. <laughs> yeah, we can. Ammo included. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we're going to move to the montage. We have our montage of Robocop up there kicking ass. First night on duty. First night on duty. He just took the car out and here he is kicking some serious butt. So we've got two shop operators that are just trying to do their business. And a guy comes in and demands all the money. You see it coming. He's in the long code. He's looking shifty. Of course, Robocop shows up and he wrecks this guy. He bends the muzzle of his gun. He uses his robo hand to toss him into a fridge. He probably does more damage than if they just given him the money. But yeah, <laughs> and they're watching again. I'd buy that for a dollar right before. Yes, they the are. Yeah. So yeah. Like, OK, you know. Yeah. Yep. Good call. And uh, so our next one is there's two men. They're attacking a woman. They're attempting to rape her. They they cut off her hair. Uh, there's a nice little bit of cinematography here, which this isn't a strong cinematography type movie, but they did it here where these two guys are attacking this woman and there's a giant billboard for Delta City behind them. And it's like, that's pretty interesting. And then on top of it, Robocop pulls up and gets out of the car and he's walking towards them and the headlights from the car are projecting his shadow up onto the wall behind them. And they're just like, what, what, what is this, right? And then, of course he shoots the guy in the dick. So That's the bet. <clears throat> I was going to say that is probably one of my favorite shots. Yeah, there'll I mean, be no dick bob in there. <laughs> no dick yeah. bob in there. I mean, this guy is in a denim jacket that has tassels on it, so he kind of deserved it. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So um, I wanted to ask, so he, you guys think that he, Robocop killed the first guy when he threw him head first into the cooler? I don't know if he was dead. I, I, I mean, you, really, you couldn't tell. Uh, he could have yeah. just been hurt. 
I yeah. don't know that he was dead from yeah, that. Yeah, might have just been knocked out. Yeah, it was. It I was just a... think he did a lot of damage because there's guns shooting up everything in that store. I'm thinking, like, how much insurance do these people have? It's funny because <laughs> you mentioned Delta City, how uh, you get the picture of it behind the crime going on. And then the first time we see it is where the model is in the boardroom with the yep. Ed 209 kill. And the body ends up on, on Delta model. City yeah. <laughs> covered in blood. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a lot of foreshadowing that this is not going to work. It really is. It really is. Okay. Uh, um, so then the last bit of the montage is uh, there is a terrorist at town hall, and he's holding the mayor hostage among some other people. He's already killed somebody. Uh, Robocop shows up and uh, takes him out by punching through a wall and ripping him out of the room before amazing. throwing him out of a window, which I'm pretty sure that guy's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the funniest things to me about this scene is, uh, first of all, the hottest car in this universe is the SUX 6000, the Sux 6000. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's the only car that looked like it was out of time cop. It was the one prop that I didn't like in the movie. But the funniest thing, it's called the SUS. It's the sucks. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, they probably made it look like crap on purpose. Yeah, 6,000 sucks, basically. Yeah. And yeah, they're making and, fun of the fact that everybody wants this piece of crap. Yeah. That, you know, capitalism, I think a nod to capitalism. Oh, we want it, but it's a piece of crap that gets eight miles to a gallon. Yes. Right. And then the other thing that cracked me up about the scene is that criminal, he's, you know, screaming out a bunch of demands. He's like, I want my job back. I want a recount. Um, I want a new car, blah, blah, blah. And like the guy down who's trying to like keep him occupied is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. And we can throw in a blob punk stereo for you, too. And the little guy's like, you're jerking me around. It's like, Don't jerk oh, me you off. Believed, yeah, yeah. You believed you were going to get your job back. You were going to get a recount. You were going to get a new car. And all that was OK. But the blob punk is the deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know another, what? Another good scene. Sorry. What I appreciated about these small scenes too, like in the convenience store and everything is, you know, a lot of times they'll bring in just such the worst actors. And even though they're very short scenes, they seem kind of cheap and B-movie. And they didn't really do that with this. I thought that all the performances, all the kills and all the small scenes stayed on par with the acting in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Also too, they were all like for their little parts, they definitely made you feel like those were really, you know, yeah. people doing their thing. Like yep. I, I thought that was great. Yeah, like uh, in Beverly Hills Cop, when we did last week, when the two cops come to arrest Eddie, it's just like, oh, my God, this is a C movie. These guys can't act. This is terrible. Yeah, so. and then you get this movie that's like, again, you think, oh, my God, this is going to be some cheesy sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And totally not. Totally not, not at all. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> – the next scene, I think, is him at his school. So yeah, yeah it's another fake newscast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another fake newscast. Which I mean, this whole little montage. Usually, I go, "Oh, here's the montage." But <laughs> excuse me, I'm like coughing. Um, but like the way they put this together felt more significant because it actually even showed you what he could do because right. yeah. he used so many different skills. Mm -hmm. Um. And the funny part is he drives right into the, the hostage situation. He drives his car in and just like <laughs> breaks the little police ribbon. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that was so funny for some reason. I'm like, here he goes. Boop. Yeah. And, and on the news, they show a, a murder as he throws the man out of the yeah. <laughs> oh, That <laughs> RoboCop. Right. That RoboCop. They're showing snuff films on the news. <laughs> and then the uh, the Nukem commercial for the, the game, Nukem. Gosh, yeah. A lot of that nuclear uh, stuff was, was put into this movie. Yeah, you crossed my line of death. Yeah. 
<laughs> Press the button. Oh. oh, God, that's awesome. Yeah, so after the ad for the Nukem game, again, we see uh, Bob Morton flapping his jaws about Robocop, and he's projecting an end to old crime, uh, to, to crime in old Detroit within 40 days. So that's a pretty bold prediction. Yep. But he's saying Robocop's going to do it. Uh, but on his way to the men's room, he continues to flap his gums. He's talking shit about Jones, who happens to be sitting in a stall listening to all of it. Now, Joan confronts him, tells him that he stepped over the line, and it's really clear that the confrontation between these two is not over. No, no. This is a great scene. This is a great scene. The one guy pisses his pants. I mean, people are, are genuinely scared of Dick. Uh, they know he's a killer, and Bob is just too dumb. Plus, wait, they, they go in, he gets his little gold card for the executive lounge, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just the bathroom. <laughs> like, That's all it is. I, I was hoping that, and like, what does the non-executive lounge look like? <laughs> you know, like, is there like crap everywhere? Is there pee on the floor? Like subpar urinal cakes? I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking what's so special about this. Yeah, there's no kitchenette. There's nothing yeah, in there. Yeah, what the heck? Where are you supposed to lounge? Oh my god. <laughs> Taking a dump, I guess. <laughs> oh. oh. So do we think that Morton's stepping over the line? Uh is Jones a dinosaur and he should step away? Or what do we think? Morton is Morton is like right now he is so ahead of the game. He's now VP. He's got the, the leading project going and he just can't shut up. One, he's a cokehead. It's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's talking too much, and yeah, he's totally crossed the line. And and I think that Dick Jones probably would have waited for Bob to make a mistake and then taken him out like in an executive way. But in this scene, Bob basically forces Dick's hand, and I think Dick is literally saying goodbye to him at the end of this scene. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I later think on. Oh, I'm on. sorry. Go ahead, honey. You know, I was going to say later on, um, he even says, "You know, we could have been friends." You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. If you had just not been this much of a of an arrogant arrogant asshole, I guess. Right. Yeah, and like with any big corporation, it was never about law enforcement or what was best for the oh, community. Yeah. It was about selling military contracts. And Bob right. cost OCP billions of dollars with a stupid Robocop. And I think that this is when Jones gets in touch with Bottinger. This is because now he has to put in a, a plan. Oh, yeah. So I think this is when it happens. I think this is about the time that it happens. I mean, you never really know for sure if he's been working with them all along, but I don't think so. I think that this is when he says, I'm going to use this guy to my my advantage. Yeah. I feel like I feel like this is where Dick Jones decided that he was going to he was going to have uh, Bob murdered and he was going to take yeah. the Robocop out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And 209 is not off the off the shelf for Dick Jones yet. It's not no. a done deal. No, no. Okay, so Robocop is now having himself a nice little nap, and he's under the ever-watchful eye of the OCP scientists, and that is sarcasm. Uh, he begins to flash back to his murder, and the graphs that are hooked up to him start jumping like crazy. He's seeing his wife. He's seeing his son. Um, Robocop jumps up and leaves. OCP employees panic and they try to chase him down. It's like, I'm not sure how you think you're going to stop him, but okay. Um, on the way out of the precinct, Lewis sees him, stops him and asks him his name. She says, what's your name? She calls him Murphy. And though Robocop seems stunned for a minute, he excuses himself and he leaves. He gets into a car and leaves to fight crime before anyone can stop him. 
Lewis and Reed then get chewed out for interfering with Robocop. And the scientists want to run a check on him, take him offline. And Morton's like, that's not happening. He just had a bad dream. Let's everything's just going to continue on like it is. So is this the first cracks in the OCP grand plan for Robocop? Yes. Oh, definitely. But like the acting in that scene too, like the grimace that he has mm -hmm. when he's having the nightmare. I was like, Ooh, like, <laughs> you know, it was like really like visceral looking when he's like, Ugh, he's like physically in pain. He looks like, yeah. Know? Well, also the, the other thing that we have to remember is legitimately he is doing all of his acting with his mouth. Yeah. 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 So he, he has to like grimace and uh, like, that's the only way you get any emotion from him because the rest of him is robot, you know. Peter Weller I'm killed in a suit, it, but you know, Peter Weller killed it. He he, I mean, mm -hmm. without Peter Weller Weller's acting, this isn't working. Like he could have, if he had dropped the ball with the movement and, like you guys said, with the facial expressions, this isn't going to work, you know. Mm -hmm. So I thought his performance was just pff, great. Yeah, and you could, I mean, you could tell what he was feeling it's just i thought it was amazing just like just like you said does because like so he goes right um one of the things he does uh later is visit his old house right and the same thing he's like seeing all these things and he's walking through there and it's crazy because you can't see his eyes you can't see anything but you can tell just even from his movements that he's uncomfortable like yes. i'm like how can you I don't know. It's amazing. I yeah. was like, man. He really anyway, did an amazing job acting through that very heavy, very uncomfortable suit. Yeah. I, I was a little confused because um, a little later in the movie, he's going to say, you know, I can feel my family, but I can't remember them. And it kind of felt like he was remembering them when he was walking through the house. So wasn't really sure what he meant by that. But yeah, I agree with the uh, with, you know, him giving the feeling that he was uncomfortable with his movements. Right. So one of our bad guys, Emil, is robbing a gas station. He's heckling the attendant. He's threatening to shoot him when Robocop shows up. Robocop says to him, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And immediately, Emil knows that Robocop is the police officer he had a hand in killing. Like, he recognizes that immediately. Yes. Uh, he yells at him, we killed you. And this makes Robocop, like, hesitate. And he doesn't understand. He, he, all of a sudden, it's throwing him off. He's hesitates. Uh, Emil throws his cigarette on the ground and the um, area is quickly flooding with gasoline. So we get a good old fashioned Hollywood explosion as the gas station blows up. Uh, Robocop finally snaps out of it. I suppose an explosion in your face will do that. And he uh, shoots at Emil as he's attempting to escape on his motorcycle. He shoots out just enough of the motorcycle to disable it. Emil crashes into a car and flies onto the pavement. Robocop grabs him and demands to know who he is. But Emil is unable to talk. Back at the precinct, Robocop uses computers to search through the records and matches Emil's face to his name and records. He sees known accomplices, and it includes all the men that killed him, and it also lists the murder of Officer Murphy as one of the suspected crimes. Now, this is one of my favorite scenes, because when the cop is telling Robocop he's in a restricted area, he extends his computer output to plug into the computer, and it looks like he's giving him the finger, and I don't know, it makes me giggle. Yeah, I thought it was funny, too. <laughs> So, did the gas station attendant survive the explosion? Yes, you see him running away. <laughs> oh, you, you do? Okay, I was going to ask because I didn't. I didn't know. I was wondering that myself. Um, yeah, um, when when he says, you know, we killed you, 
um, at some point behind Robocop, you see the gas station attendant run out, run out with his book clutching against his chest, and he looks at Robocop and he looks at Emil and he takes off. Oh, good. Emil, the nerd got away. <laughs> Emil is such a is just such a like a stupid kid, you know. He's he's yeah. ruthless. He's dumb. I think he's dumber than he is ruthless, but he's both. And I was really surprised to see him show up later in the movie. I thought Robocop had killed him. Yeah. It was unclear what happened. And when he showed up again, I'm like, I thought he was like either dead or really yeah. hurt. And was he arrested? Like, what happened there? Maybe we got a, a scene that was cut that we never saw. That could be. Maybe they edited it out. And yeah. uh, you're like, oh, wait, would have made more sense if they kept it in. But. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, the um, scene that happens right after this is where he goes to the house and he sees the the automated tellers trying to sell him the house. And, of course, that's not going to work. Um, he's seeing his wife. He's seeing his child. Uh, and he smashes the automated realtor and leaves because he's now on a mission. Like he has a mission of what he's going to do. And I found that this was a little bit of a strange one. He goes to a nightclub to arrest Leon Nash, which is one of the guys that's in Bodinger's group in his gang. He finds him. Uh, there's a little scuffle, but I mean, let's face it, like Nash was trying to kick him in the nuts and that's not going to work. Um, he finds him and he grabs him and he pulls him out of the club. And then like, Later on, we see Nash, and I don't know what happens. Like, I'm not quite sure. They probably could have removed this scene in the club because Nash is just fine and in the gang still later. So I'm not really sure what happens after that. Right. Yeah. right. That was it's weird. funny. Right before that scene, there's a commercial with a fake dinosaur. Do you guys remember this? Yeah. Okay. Did they do this specifically to make the Ed 209 scenes look better to the audience? Maybe because it, it's the claymation. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like they're saying, you know, this is what you guys are used to seeing in the 70s and Ed 209. This is like really cutting edge, you know, stop motion. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but but you're right. I thought they were just making a funny commercial. I felt like it was like, let's A, B these two things and you'll see how great Ed 209 looks. That's funny. <laughs> Wait, that could be. That could be. I'm, I'm not discounting that. There's no proof uh, against it. But you know in the scene in Nightclub, one of the funny yes. things is when he knocks the, the gun out of his hand yeah. and it, it lands in this dude's hand and he just keeps dancing with it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, hilarious like they don't even care that this is happening the people in the club you know no because oh. when he grabs nash and he pulls him out of the club everyone dancing that has parted to let him go by just yes go right back in <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. it was an yeah. odd scene but i don't know about you guys this movie felt like 45 minutes to me it it, it didn't drag like a lot of movies i'll no. get towards the end and i'm like oh my god is this thing over yet this one it ended and i was like that's it it's over no, because how long is it? Like two hours almost, right? Maybe. God, it felt like yeah. it was like and yeah. really good. I mean, there was not really a slow a slow moment, you know. No, no, it, the pacing was like light speed. Uh, it is one hour and forty three minutes. I oh, can't okay. believe yeah, that. Yeah. I would have never guessed that. I would have thought an hour fifteen, hour twenty. I mean, this movie it, it really goes by quickly. It's an easy watch. All right. So the camera now swings to Morton, and he's in his home sniffing coke with two women. It's uh, yeah, wholesome. Two, two bitches. <laughs> two, two bitches. Yeah. <laughs> bitches leave. <laughs> bitches leave. It's, uh, 
And it's like so weird because it's Red Foreman saying it, but oh, you know. I love it all too. <laughs> see, see you later, Bobby. Yeah, call you gonna, me. You're going to call me? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so wholesome uh, family entertainment happening here at Bob's house. So they're interrupted by the doorbell and it's Clarence Bottinger who proceeds to short Morton repeatedly in the legs. And again, uh, not overly gory, but looks really real. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's oh, some meat. Oh, I felt the pain in those shots. Yeah. Really. And there's <laughs> some meat coming out. Like I look, he, they've got some like burger stuff in those holes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Bottinger goes ahead and he shoves a DVD into the old machine. And who's there but our friend Dick Jones. Bottinger uh, leaves a live grenade on Morton's table. And Dick Jones proceeds to tell him via video, uh, you're screwed, basically. We could have been friends, but no. Um, so Morton, Bob, is trying to, like, crawl to the table to get the grenade. And he touches it, and it falls down, and his home explodes, and he's dead. Yeah. And yep. he was, that's he the was, end of Morton. He was living pretty high on the hog, and he just couldn't stop poking the bear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had to take a victory lap. And it's like, don't do that. Don't take the victory lap. Just keep your head down and you'll be fine. Yeah, endless. You know, I wanted to ask you guys this because it was funny. I know you guys love superhero movies. Um, did you guys feel kind of like once uh, once Murphy started getting his identity back a little bit, I was making a parallel between him and the thing, kind of. Like, you know, he lost his family and he had lost his identity, but, you know, like he felt like a monster. You know, they're strong but they feel like freaks. And I, I don't know. It's just kind of, to me, I was making a parallel between the thing and RoboCop. It's kind of weird, but. No, no, I think that's a good uh, parallel because he definitely now sees himself as this inhuman thing. Yes. Um, and he, you don't get him so much. Like he doesn't really like dwell on it, but he's definitely thinking about it. And especially later on when he gets to see his face and, um, yeah. You know, you get that whole, um, oh, the humanity kind yeah. of moment. You know, but cool. he, still, he still has um, enough of the fact that they wiped his memory enough that he doesn't remember everything. Right. So I think that that was good. Like, he didn't just all of a sudden, oh, I am Murphy. Like, he didn't have that, right. um, which I thought was good because it would have been too much if he just remembered everything. Like, I, you know. Yeah, he starts taking his uh, his identity back, like, in the very last scenes of the movie. But, again, I don't know if it's – how much of it is him reinventing himself and how much of it is him actually remembering himself. Yeah. So, go ahead. So, Bodegar takes his muscle to a factory, and it's a drug manufacturing factory. Uh, he's trying to make a deal with them. And uh, Robocop, of course, is going to break it up because he's on a mission now. And – you know, maybe the, Leon Nash gave him a tip as to where they were going to be. Maybe that's how he finds them. I'm not really sure. But every bad guy in the place opens fire on RoboCop. And, of course, he's not having any of it. The bullets are bouncing off him. He's targeting. His auto-targeting is helping him just take everyone out with that crazy gun. Uh, he gets his hands on Buttiger and roughs him up pretty hard. He's throwing him through glass windows. And um, he's kind of not trying to kill him. I think he's kind of playing possum with him because he could have killed him very quickly if he wanted to um and bodiger says i work for dick jones at ocp and of course our good friend robocop is recording this because he knows that that's evidence um he brings bodiger to the precinct to get booked and then heads right back to ocp and dick jones is waiting for him 
Robocop attempts to, uh, to arrest him and his systems start to shut down. Now our Prime Directive 4 comes into play. Any attempt to arrest an officer of OCP will result, result in a shutdown. Uh, the, ED, the ED-209 reappears and Jones attempts to use it to erase our friend Robocop. And this is quite the scene, um, the fight between the two of them. Michelle, two titans going at it. What do you think? Oh, it, was, I, it was great because um, Robocop was the underdog in this scene. Mm -hmm. I think at this point in the movie, it was really important not to have him just kick complete ass. Right. Um, you still had to be a little afraid of Ed. Mm -hmm. But the, the best thing about it is Ed follows him and can't walk downstairs. <laughs> His so, arch nemesis are stairs. Yeah, and, it, and the noises the thing is making, right? It's like growling. It's doing this thing. And then, though, it sounds like a, a, a whining kid when it falls on its back. Yeah, it almost <laughs> sounds like a pig. That, yeah, like, that like really, really of a pig. But, like, you know what really broke my heart was when he comes out. He comes out of the, the stairway. Yes, and all his comrades, his fellow cops, mm -hmm. you know, are 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 there to to take him out, and yeah. it's just like, oh man, like, and you even so you see him even having that moment of what's happening here, right? And it's like, wow, his acting with that, like again, you're like, oh shoot, you feel his, I don't want to say sadness, but like definitely surprise and like almost like a betrayal moment, right? Right, disappointment, right? Yeah, disappointment, like oh. Yeah, I wrote that down. I thought it was I thought it was absolutely heartbreaking this yeah. scene. I thought it was heartbreaking. I thought that it also um played a little strange because throughout the entire movie the police force really seemed to be like, you know, cops cops with cops and you know cops are getting killed and this is bullshit and we're going to strike, you know, for our brothers and then they just turn on RoboCop like because OCP said so. Yeah, I thought I, that was sad. And and I want to say something about the showdown between the Titans. Is Ed 209 really a Titan? Okay. That, this, <laughs> this freaking thing, like, you're telling me all the money they put into it, they didn't, like, if it falls over, it can't get up? Like, you got to put a fucking kickstand on the back of this thing. I mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, how and long is it going to be? You have to understand, in old Detroit, there's going to be buildings with stairs. Well, not only <laughs> that, how long is it going to be before people do a cow tipping on Ed 209? I mean, you run over and push the thing over and you're done. Yeah, and obviously Bob, though, this all, not Bob, uh, Dick, yeah. this, this highlights Dick's just really terrible foresight and really bad planning, honestly, because it was his idea, right? He's tunnel vision. He's got a tunnel yeah. vision. Like, as far as he's mm -hmm. concerned, this is the answer. And he doesn't want to see that there's weaknesses yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah, you need a third leg on on Ed two oh nine. You need like R two had three legs. That's why it didn't fall over. Oh my lord! No, yeah. but there, there, there's some design flaws. Yeah, sure. but I, I did write that. You know, I my I, it actually tugged at my heart strings a little bit in the scene where the police start you know trying to kill RoboCop, and I feel like yeah. you know he's innocent in this. He's only done what's asked of him. He's been a good cop, and these cops turn on him. and And I thought it was a little out of character for the movie. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate that a couple of the cops run up and they're like, "He's a cop. He's with us. What are you doing?" Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate that that did happen, but ultimately, you have you know fifty dudes opening fire on him. Now, let me ask you this: the the cop that was negotiating with the uh, town the town official that uh, RoboCop throws out the window. 
he is not um detroit police right he's like more of a like a state police or uh something like that he definitely oh. seemed like he was with another force because they even had different uniforms and i think there was like a different um insignia on his uh arm. yes so yeah. i think in the parking garage i think that that was a, a mix of cops i think it was a mix of his force and the detroit force and I, I was kind of hoping that the detroit police were kind of siding with robocop a little bit and those were the voices we were hearing saying hey he's a cop he's a cop it could be i mean that makes the most I'm sense i'm pretty sure i recognize the I think it was three cops that approach him and say, you know, he's a cop. He's with us. I think I recognize all of them from the precinct. Okay. And then I think there were some of the other cops from that other dicks force that were. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's just go with that because it makes me feel better. Okay. Yeah. Right. So uh, Murphy's taken quite the beating at this point and he escapes by kind of rolling down. It's a parking garage that has those different levels. He rolls down to get away from the police and they're giving chase but good old Lewis pulls up and rescues them. So that I, points for Lewis. She she knew what was going down and she was going to do what she could to pull her partner out of there. Do you guys feel like she was sweet on Murphy right from the very beginning of this movie? No. I think that they were they were definitely friends, but I was shipping them for sure. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, Lewis, you gotta get with Murphy." But obviously, Murphy was really in love with his wife and his his family, right? So yeah. it wasn't yeah. gonna go there. But another nod to none of that weirdness with misogyny and, and over sexualization, because it was like, yeah, they can just be friends. Yeah, in fact, right? I thought she... they can be friends and. Mm -hmm like each other without it being about sex yeah i thought yeah. she was the alpha the alpha partner in their in their partnership as cops oh, yeah, i thought she, was. she yeah. absolutely was like i feel like she could have dropped murphy like a bad habit <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's good about it too because again it turned that whole thing on the head where usually it's the guy with all the testosterone doing all the stuff but it was her and then he becomes this absolute badass later when yeah. he becomes RoboCop, but he still has enough empathy to not completely just trash everyone. Yes. If it was some like maniac cop that they turned into RoboCop, it wouldn't have worked. True. Right. Right. I mean, that's right. what I think. Yeah. And, I... and I don't know if they did psych profiles on who they were going to do either. I don't know that they, you know, went into that, but like, what do they do when they pick? Because well, they, they definitely said, uh, like, I think when they were in the elevator after the, Ed 209 had killed the guy. They yeah. said, we've been moving uh, candidates. Yeah. To, so they they were looking at certain people for certain reasons. Yeah. So, you, oh, okay. So on that point, then they were like, okay, this guy Murphy looks like he's got a good, uh, some good credentials and good skills and what we want. So we're going to move him mm -hmm. to the shitty violent precinct. So hopefully he dies. And I wonder <laughs> though, it seemed like they didn't really have a choice because OCP, I think they even mentioned that some of the, he said, well, OCP's moving people around, right? Yes. Yeah. And so uh, it was probably either you move or you don't have a job. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yes. But yeah, like <laughs> totally the, poor guy so they definitely had their their eyes on him already and moved him over there and was like yeah he might get killed hooray <laughs> yeah yep. yep yep so now we have another fake newscast and it's explaining that the police force is readying to strike at midnight uh they're striking against ocp uh as we've seen them talking about pretty much all since the beginning of the movie um meanwhile ocp is really busy cleaning up after the melee between ed 209 and our friend robocop uh, Bodiger, of course, shows up bold as brass because he got bailed out by Dick Jones. 
Uh, but Dick is pissed that Clarence told Robocop that he worked for Jones. So, I mean, I don't blame him for being mad. Uh, his memory is admissible in court. It's a video. And Clarence implicated Dick Jones in a huge mess. Um, so now he needs Clarence to go back out and kill Robocop. And the promise behind that is when he kills Robocop and all those workers start going into Delta City to build it, that's two million people living in trailers working who are going to want gambling, drugs, sex workers, and Clarence can run it all and make all that money. Yeah. So he gives uh, Bodiger the tracker for Robocop to keep an eye on where he is and gives him a bunch of military military grade weapons um, and sends him on his way. And yeah. this is setting us up for the big end game. So we're going to get a nauseatingly misogynist scene here where Clarence goes into yes. Dick's office and uh, it's it's he Gross. sticks the gum to the secretary's <laughs> name tag. Yeah, he's a, again. They're driving the, you know, driving home the fact that he's a douche. If you didn't know that already, basically, and his face <laughs> is all chopped up. He's like, "Hey, baby, you want yeah. some of this?" She's like, "You are disgusting. Just go in the office. Yeah. Keep the I gum." But uh, after I get out of here, you know, yeah. like, ah, gross. Yeah. And he says, yeah, "Keep I think the he even gum." Gives her kissy faces as yeah. he shuts the door. It's like he definitely Ugh. does. And yeah, Ugh. I just, I couldn't gloss over that scene because I was just like, come on. I can't wait till this guy gets killed. Yeah. Super, super, super cringy. <laughs> and then my favorite, he's like, he's a cyborg, you idiot. He's a cyborg, you idiot. He recorded every word you said. His memory's admissible as evidence. You involved me. You're going to have to kill it. So yet again, we find ourselves in an abandoned factory. You kind of start to feel like pretty much old Detroit is all old abandoned factories. But isn't it the same one? It it's is. The, it's the same one. Yeah. It's was the, it mill. the same exact one? Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's oh, the mill again. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Wasn't that interesting? He's going back to where he was killed. Yeah, well, she took him there to repair himself, and I thought that was a yeah. uh, a questionable choice. Like, this shouldn't bring up any bad feelings while you're having nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> this is where they took your humanity. This is where they shot you in the head. Oh, and he oh, didn't make Lord. that connection, so you think, okay, interesting. Like, there's things he remembers and doesn't. Because he yes. clearly wasn't like, yeah, why'd you take me here, Lois? I yeah, good mean. observation. He didn't recognize the place for sure, but I did. <laughs> yeah, you're like, man, <laughs> bad call, Lewis. Another bad call. Oh, my so Lord. That, that one and looking down. You're two bad calls, girl. <laughs> yes, don't look down and don't bring Robocop back to that spot. <laughs> Oh, my yeah. Lord. No. So she informs him that half the cops didn't come to work today and the rest of them would be walking off the job at midnight. They're all going on strike. And we all know that, you know, old Detroit's already a mess with the cops. So we know where we're going. Uh, she brings him his gun. She brings him a drill. And she brings him some baby food. Baby food. The baby food. <laughs> so here is where we finally get a look at what's left of Murphy's face. Uh, he removes his visor because he's making repairs. Um, his face is pretty much still intact, other than the hole in his forehead. Um, There's and... like a bullet sticking out of his head. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just supposed to be like a piece of metal, like a plug. A I don't plug. think it's an actual bullet. Yeah, I think they plugged it up. I think they. Plugged I mean, it up. I know that sounds <laughs> disgusting, but I think that's what it is. Um, it looked great, though. The face looked great. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, they did a really nice job trans 
between transferring between his real skin and to the fake skin that's attached to yes. the robotic part on the back of his head. It looked dynamite. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good practical effect. What about the long ass screws he pulls oh, out of his head? Yeah. I was like, yeah, like just watching him pull those things out. And they do that on purpose. That's yeah. done for a fact for sure. Yes, Colin, what are you ever going to do with a drill? Yeah. <laughs> That's a joke in our house. We didn't have a drill for the longest time. We always say, what are you ever going to do with the drill? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> then we got a drill and we used it for everything. And we were like, what are you going to use a drill for? Yeah, so as oh, soon as he Lord. took those screws out of his head, that was what I thought. I'm like, oh, good thing he had a drill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. So, yes, at this point, this is when he uh, he gets a, a, a look at himself. Like, it's, uh, I think it's purposeful, as far as the director goes, that she holds up a reflective surface that's all kind of wavy and a little warped. And it's yeah, broken. It's a broken piece of glass, broken yeah, mirror. pretty much. You know, like it's warped. He looks like you can see himself, but he looks all warped. He doesn't look like Murphy. And I mean, honestly, he doesn't look like Murphy anymore, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. The, the point is, is that it, it's done on purpose to make him look even more monstrous than he already is. Um, he asks about his family. She tells him that they've moved on. They had a funeral and... Um, I questioned they had a funeral. What did they bury? I'm not sure, but um, it could have been an empty casket for all I know. But the arm they cut off. <laughs> oh no! Bury the arm. Oh shit! Bury it. Poor guy. Poor guy. Uh, so this is when he says he can feel them, but he can't remember them. And then she attempts to soothe him a little bit, and she he says to leave, leave him alone. He wants some time alone. So it's kind of an emotional scene in a movie that has not really been emotional up until now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you said earlier, Des, about this part, you know, where he can feel his family, but doesn't remember them. Mm -hmm. um, I almost think because he, he remembers that one scene in the house. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all he, he has. And so it almost feels like, yeah, it's like a feeling that they existed. And, but he can't really actually interact with that. Like, yeah. That's yeah. It, you know, it's, it's barely a memory. Yeah. Barely. And so it's like, just like thing, just poking him in his brain, but in the back of his mind almost. But it's like when you're trying to remember something so hard and you can't. Yeah. Right. You're just like, Oh, it's right there. And I think that's kind of where his family is at in his head now. But yeah. I thought it was good. I didn't want them to go much deeper into it. No, you took you took the words out of my mouth. You know, I think that in this movie, it would have stalled it out. And I think they gave us just enough of this. Just enough. It was perfect. Yeah, like it could have, you know, like enough emotion. Uh, yeah. That they really did a balance between everything. So um, you still had feelings, even if this movie was like a shoot 'em up type situation. Like there was plenty of heart in it. Yeah, I felt for I felt for Murphy on several occasions during yeah. this movie. So now the city is devolving into chaos. There's no police president uh, presence. Emil's back on the streets. He's uh, been sprung by Dick Jones because Clarence obviously told him that he needed him. Uh, the rest of the gang all meet up with him, and he shows off. Uh, Clarence shows off the new guns he's got. These are like hand cannons basically they're gigantic oversized guns that blow crap up military grade weapons delivered military by military grade weapons yeah that's yeah. right dick is like we are we basically yeah. are the military we are the military no problem yeah. buddy. 
no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, we're watching uh, I'd Buy That for Dollar right yep. before she yes. goes down. Right? You, you've nailed it. So clearly. Heck? So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think your theory uh, at this point, we're going to have to go ahead and say yes. These are foreshadowing commercials that we're about to get some horror. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Oh, but the best horror is coming. Yeah, go on. The but list. is it? I think the I think the I think the grindhouse is coming. I think it's where we're gonna get some fun score. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. This is where we're <laughs> we're stepping in almost um, to like a different a different yeah, genre here. Yeah. That's my foreshadowing, folks. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> La machine. I'm with you. Oh my god. So Lewis is helping Murphy with his tar- targeting system and Boddicker shows up with his goons. They are following him with the uh, the tracker that Dick Jones gave him. Uh, so they know where he is and they're coming for him. They mm-hmm. start hunting him, but Robocop's ready for them. He takes out old Joe right away and the bad guys scatter. Now, my thought in this scene here is they were using those guns like back in this in town and they like literally blew up a, a car with one shot they take a shot at uh robocop here and it's like sparks yeah and let me tell you robocop took out an edge to own oh no i'm sorry i'm jumping ahead okay yes you are yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah this gun has different levels of how much it can destroy with one shot depending on who it's aimed at <laughs> correct <laughs> correct so emil jumps in the van he's giving chase uh, Robocop steps out of the way right at the right time, and good old Emil drives right into a huge water tower full of toxic waste. Michelle, take it because I know you have something to say. <laughs> I was, oh man, it was again, not it's so not expected. I no. just thought, all right, you know, like you first watched the movie, like, all right, he runs into the thing, like, you totally don't think. He's going to stumble through the back of the van, swimming in this waste, and is a melting mess. Oh, it was so gross. The like, Toxic Avenger. This yes, is fun. Yes. I love it. I, I think they, you know, like you were mentioning that they were trying to do maybe little nods to stuff in mm-hmm. this movie. And uh, guaranteed everyone was probably loving comic books that was working on this movie or and all this other stuff. Because, yeah, he and the, the effects. I'm yeah. like, holy crap! It really looked like he was friggin' melting, and the the noises he was making. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh my god! I was just like, this this is, you know, you said nightmare fuel. Like, yeah. <laughs> see, this one was pretty bad. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And once again, we see the gang just no love for each other. Get away from me! Don't, don't touch me, you <laughs> yeah. freaking melting candle man. <laughs> Yeah, poor Leon. Like. Poor guy. Leon's just like, dude, don't touch me. And he runs away from him. So yeah. you're on yeah. your own, buddy. And then when you see his demise. Yeah, so <laughs> it's coming up. So yeah. Lewis is in her cop car and she runs, basically runs right into Clarence. They hit each other and she's chasing him. And poor old Emil wanders right into the path of Clarence, and Clarence hits him, and he just liquefies all over the windshield. Yes. The, the head, though. The head bouncing off the windshield and over the yeah. roof. Yeah. It's a, this scene is like, you know, come on. This scene is amazing. This is, it is great. It is good. But here's the funny thing, too. Like, so uh, this is also where you see that RoboCop cannot run. The yeah. cannot run. No. So, like, he's walking away just fast enough from the toxic waste thing. You see him off going off camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he never runs at all in the whole film. And 
I'm glad that they were able to make it to where that was not a problem because I'm like, normally you can't move that fast. It's, you know, you're going to get off. Right. But yeah. So like, okay, they didn't really like play up with that fact. Yeah. Well, he was Jesse Owens compared to the Ed 209. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ed is, yeah he's a failure. <laughs> oh, failure. my goodness. Yeah, and an interesting fact, the uh, liquefaction that goes all over the windshield was uh, watermelon guts and pig intestines. I loved it. Pig intestines. Yeah. I loved so, it. Yeah, so that's where you but get, yeah. like, the chunks and, like, that, like, liquidy stuff was all watermelon yuck. Yeah. So, yeah, great. pretty gross. It's a so great poor old Clarence can't see, and he flips his SUX right into the ditch. <laughs> Does he turn on his windshield wipers, though, first? <laughs> he does. <laughs> I love that. I love that. He's... I think he even does like the oh crap or something yeah. like that. It's like, spreading oh, a meal crap. out across the his a meal milkshake across his windshield. Yeah, gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! So he climbs out of the car and he opens fire on Lewis because she was right behind him. She stopped short and jumps out of her car. He jumps out and opens fire on her and he hits her several times and she falls down the embankment and into the dirty water. Uh, Robocop arrives just before he's about to kill her. Like he, I think he says something misogynistic, like bye bye baby or something like that. I forget, but <laughs> yeah. it's something stupid. Um, and then Clarence kind of sees out of the corner of his eye, he sees Leon above him and he's still got that big gun with him. So he's running to get into position while Clarence feigns surrendering. So you have different things happening during the scene. You have Clarence mm -hmm. doing the, you know, the fake surrender. You have Leon getting into position and you have Lewis trying to drag herself to one of those oversized guns because it's right in front of her and she can see it, but she's hurt. Yes, it's a race. Who's going to get to their objective first? Yep. And unfortunately, the one that gets to their objective first is Leon. He unloads a huge bucket of scrap metal. And this is big scrap metal. This isn't like a little bucket I and what a great he, scene you really yeah. get the feeling that you know that uh robocop is crushed by this metal i mean it's yes. a great it's a well shot scene yeah i mean it's not just some rebar like there's like eye beams and stuff yeah yeah and um lewis reaches the gun just as it happens and shoots it and and now instead of sparse it blows up the entire little building leon's in yeah so. i don't get it i don't know what that thing is shooting <laughs> Plus, when Leon got to the little little house thing or whatever, mm -hmm. the control panel area, yes, I honestly thought he was going to take a shot at Robocop with his big-ass gun from So there. did I. Yeah, like, so did I. Why did he all of a sudden go, I think I'll use the rebar instead? Like, um, So that yeah. was a little weird. I, I think maybe, obviously, they couldn't have gotten out of it if he shot him that way from there. Right. So, so they might have made that call just to use the rebar because but, he could survive that. I don't know, though, but, um, I mean, the gun worked pretty good at the exact same range when she shot up yeah. to the tower. I yeah. think maybe he saw that when they used the gun on Robocop the first time, it was just sparks, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what that one, was that one, like, maybe a malfunctioning one? I, I don't know. Right? I don't know. But, yeah, like, so. I, I know, think like, it was kind of a plot said. device, you yes, know, because they wanted to have Robocop incapacitated in some way. But yeah. not dead. Not but exploded. Not dead. Yeah. Listen, in this movie, Varhoven could do no wrong. I forgive it all. I'm asking no well, questions. Yeah. I love it. I wasn't it. mad about it, but like I just thought about it after. But I mean, yeah. they are clearly kind of idiotic anyway. So Definitely. maybe you get they don't make the best choices. So you're like in character. Yeah, this gets in character. So. Yep. So at this point, Clarence snaps because his whole crew's dead. It's just him. 
Uh, he, and honestly, I don't really think he cared about his crew. Nope. I think he just sees that he's kind of in a little bit of trouble here because it's just him now. Like, he's got no backup at all. Yeah. Uh, he snaps. He grabs a sharp piece of metal. He starts attacking Robocop. Robocop is pretty good at deflecting it until he turns the sharp part towards him and he impales him right into the shoulder. I have questions. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's no organic part of him there. Why is he screaming and writhing in pain? One. And two, why didn't Clarence stab him in the mouth? <laughs> yeah, the face. In yeah. the face. Yeah. Um, but does he he has to have some kind of receptors for feeling things, because otherwise he wouldn't be able to know when he was holding a gun, wouldn't be able to know he has to have some tactile stuff. Right. But I do agree with you that it did sound like he was hitting flesh. Yeah, and he's been shot then, in that same yeah. spot. I never heard him scream out in pain like, yeah. you know. Like, you know, he had a cavity in that. Ah! <laughs> cavity. <laughs> but, but you know what? It was great. And it's not. And again, like I say in all these podcasts yeah. back then, they didn't think we were going to be doing a podcast ripping it apart. It was great. In fact, it, it gave a human element to, you know, Weller's character. And I, I thought it was great. I wouldn't change it for anything. And he played yeah. it great. I mean, at one point I was saying to myself, like, how can this guy get a piece of metal through him? But like bullets ricochet off him like you know, uh, somebody just throwing a tic-tac at you. you the know, metal like, was already compromised. There were already holes it. in it. Yeah. Yeah. He was already compromised. He had already taken many, many, many bullets. Yeah. So he shoved yeah, it in can... an existing hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Hold on. You, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're talking to, since you said that, uh, you know how hard it was now for me not to laugh when, Lynn said earlier that this guy fingered Bodinger. <laughs> I, like, I was holding my mouth literally. I was, don't Michelle, mess, man. Don't that's mess it up for that one. I'm sorry. That's how this podcast is going to open. Do you know how hard it was for me not to laugh earlier when Delin said he fingered Bodinger? That's gonna be the first thing you hear. Good quote. <laughs> I, I completely sign off on that. Okay. Oh, I love it. So here comes the very end. Good old Robocop deploys that computer input, that nice sharp piece of metal, and stabs Clarence in the neck with it. And that is the end of Bottinger. Man, great. Yeah. great. And all yeah. the kills here at the end, I feel like uh, lifted the mood a little bit and left me with a fun feeling in this movie. I think if they were all like that first Murphy kill, it would have been too much. And I thought this gave it... Um, it just lightened it up. I mean, we're still getting great kills and great gore and great, you know, action, but it wasn't quite as uh, disturbing. No, because and they also had to leave that gravitas for the hero. Yes. Right. You know, like they had to be like, this is really important. This is awful for a reason. Yeah. Uh, if you're right, like they they would have totally tossed that effect away if they had done it multiple times. So yes. these guys don't deserve anything that momentous. Right. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, right. the, the egregious amount of blood squirting out of his neck. It was, <laughs> I, was, I was having fun with it. Oh, my God, this is great. You know, this is awesome. So at this point, he calls for Lewis, who's still alive. She says, I'm a mess. And he promises, <laughs> they'll fix you. They fix everything. Which I was like, whew, that's... Oh, like, yeah. yeah a, multiple like a, multiple um, meanings in that statement. Yes. yes. I also noticed that um, pretty much after he took off the visor, his voice went from less like less metallic and less robotic. It became a little bit more human. 
that was definitely an interesting choice because yeah, it's not like he had a voice modulator in his visor, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, again, maybe it's that that uh, you see the the movement towards more human stuff mm-hmm. and so i guess that was definitely a choice even if you're like suspending your disbelief about the science of it yeah. <laughs> right really more like right so one last scene to go we're now returning to ocp and dick jones has got the floor and he's you know hamming it up he's announcing that the strike's going to work in their favor they're going to put ed 209s on every corner and get immediate public support on them uh, there's one downstairs right now guarding the building. <laughs> All right. So our friend Robocop drives up to the building that Ed 209 attempts to tell him to move and he has 20 seconds to comply. And as that's usual. just long. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just said as usual. 20 yes. <laughs> you have 20 seconds to tip him over. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 20 seconds turns out to be just long enough for him to get one of those hand cannons and make the guy explode. So he basically is just legs at this point. Um, yeah, just again, varying, very different ways that hand cannon works on so some, some people are shooting it. It blows up. Other people shoot it. It sparks, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, Jones is still up in the boardroom. He's pumping himself up. He's, they're all eating it up. They're clapping for him. And so Robocop opens the doors behind him. He tells them that he's there because Jones is wanted for murder and he's wanted for the murder of Bob Morton. Joan uh, takes the head of OCP hostage at this point, the old man. And uh, I'm not really sure why they had a box with a gun in it in the boardroom, but okay. Yeah. Um, Of course, the head of OCP takes this pretty personally and he fires them. So that means Directive 4 is satisfied. He grabs the old man at gunpoint and is, you know, demanding a helicopter. And, you know, Robocop can't do anything. So that's when he fires them. Yeah. And he does explain because he goes in and says, you know, I am not allowed to take action against an executive uh, employee of OCP, I think he says. Yes. And so he he kind of lays that down to where the old man figures out. Yes. I should fire his ass. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was good because, again, if he had just come in and and, uh, the old man just fired him. Like, you would have been like, how did he even know that? We needed that set up. Yes, yes. Gotcha. He explained it. It was good. They didn't have anything where you're like, oh, because they they filled out all those questions almost. Yeah, and and it's it's done in such a way where they're not, like, beating you over the head with it. It was just a couple of, like, you know, very nonchalant lines between RoboCop and the old man that, that made that really pay off when Dick grabbed him and put the gun to his head. Yeah. So then he, uh, he fires him. And now Directive 4 no longer applies because he is no longer a senior, um, what do you call it? I don't know if he's an employee. Exactly. Yeah, he's no longer an employee of OCP. Yeah, he's no longer yeah, an, yeah. even an employee, let alone a senior mm-hmm, employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shoots Dick Jones many times. And our buddy takes a swan dive out the window. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of Dick Jones. Okay, <laughs> so this is the exact same scene we're going to get in, um, in Die Hard. And it did. It didn't look as good as the Die Hard one. <laughs> no, I actually noticed that the special effects when Dick Jones is falling out of the window looks a little, a little sketchy, a little suspect. But that's okay. I can forgive it. <laughs> and here we're going to get the fact that the old man is really a good guy. He was he a little out of touch with his company, and he wasn't. You know, I don't think he realized the kind of evil that was going on. And it, it just shows that you know. 
I mean, in my mind, I feel like the old man now has gotten rid of Bob and, and I don't think Bob was a bad guy either. No, no, he wasn't. Greedy maybe. Yeah, but. Yeah, oh, greedy and uh, greedy and ambitious, but yeah, not evil. Hungry, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, he, he definitely has questionable morality. Yeah, yeah. He likes, you know, he likes um, bitches and cocaine. <laughs> yeah, bitches and he and also cocaine. tells them to lose the arm. I mean, like, so there's yeah. some questionable morality. And you're like, oh, but what about his family? Oh, well, when he signed the paperwork, he became our property mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. Stuff. So, like, yeah, there's some questionable morality with but Mr. The Murphy, old man but... is a good guy, and he looks at Murphy, and he says, yes. what's your name, son? And you know he says Murphy, Murphy. and I, I got Best a great ending. Feeling. Best ending. Yeah, yeah, great. absolutely. Very quick ending. <laughs> yeah, and it leaves you, but it leaves you with all right. Everything is pretty much right in the world as much as it can be. Like he's got his identity back, so you're like, that's great. Yeah, and uh, it's like a feel good moment because all the bad guys are dead, right? Yeah, and you're like, this is great. Everything tied up, and now he's Murphy again. Yeah, I mean, except Aww. for the fact that this guy's going to be living a. Uh, I mean, God knows how long this thing's going to live. And, you know, he's never going to love again. He's never going to have physical contact with a human being. He's living a the worst nightmare you could possibly imagine. Well, does he even Wow, that's that really though? dark. It is yeah, dark. That- imagine being this guy now. He's He knows he was murdered. He knows he had a family. And now what? His whole life is going to be sitting in a chair and then going out and, and beating the, the beat? <laughs> It's horrifying. It's horrifying. If I'm Murphy, you know what I'm saying? Kill me. Kill me. (laughs) I mean, okay, go on. Yeah. No, do you want to live like that? Well, as opposed to just being dead, I don't know. Like, oh, I kill me. I I don't know. I. I, You want to be a face? You just want to be a face? Well, I mean, like again, like we don't know how much he wants those things anymore, though. Right, true. I right? mean, he is a he cyborg. Feels his family, look, he feels his family, but he doesn't remember them. Well, then so, build me a Robocop woman with a face. <laughs> <laughs> and this turns into Frankenstein after. Yeah, someone I can sit know, next to at night. You know how bad that goes, though. You know the little thing that comes off his hand, his download thing? Yeah. Give him another one. <laughs> oh and give him a female <laughs> Robo wife. <laughs> I think this is the uh, the end of the podcast. <laughs> no, this is the skin the skin of Max punchy. The skin of Max special. Robo-cop. <laughs> it's Robocop. Robocop <laughs> after dark. <laughs> anyway, all right. Oh, Look. Well, I was gonna say it was such a satisfying ending, and it's such I a good it movie. Was. Yeah, I thought no. It was. All joking aside, though, I honestly felt like that would be a living nightmare if I was him. I don't know if I would want to go on. Uh, Michelle, as our guest, why don't you give you give us your score first? All right. Uh, scale of one through five. My score is 100 billion trillion. <laughs> I love this freaking movie, and I have watched it over and over and over again. I, I It does not get old for me. Like, I, I love it so much. Like... Uh, I don't know. That that story is just enduring because it's a good hero story. It's a good, again, at the end, feel good. You get all the bad guys. Like, they've got their, they've gotten their just desserts, shall we say. So, like, yeah, you're just like, it's satisfying. You know, good, good, again, 100 billion trillion. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. That's my so score. That's a five rewatch from Michelle. <laughs> yeah, at least. Delane, go ahead. What's your rewatch? 
Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.5, and I'm only taking off a half a point for some of the wonky uh, stuff that somebody that might never have seen this movie before, like maybe somebody that's, you know, younger now might watch it and be like, oh, like the, the Ed 209 or, you know, some of the other stuff that they might think looks a little dated. I mean, I personally think it was a lot of fun, and obviously we'll watch it again, but just going to take a little half a point off just for some of the uh, special effects looking slightly outdated. Okay, so that's a 4.5 from Delin Rewatches. And as we all know, the sliding scale of rewatches was created by me, and there's absolutely no science involved. So <laughs> I have not seen this movie in quite a while, and I was pleasantly surprised that it, it held up to everything that I had remembered it being, and actually more. So I am going to give it a 5.5. Five rewatch, which I know is against the rules, but I did invent it. So this movie with your 4.5 and my 5.5 and Michelle's 5.5 rewatches brings this to a perfect five rewatches. It's a perfect movie. If you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? Go see this movie. <laughs> is this the first perfect score you've given? No, they all get a perfect score. <laughs> <laughs> Because we only <laughs> review great movies. <laughs> As always, I'd like to take a minute to thank our special guest. Thank you, Michelle. And I'd also like to thank you, the listener, for stopping by and supporting the podcast. If you would like to further support the podcast to help us turn out better content, you can do that on the Anchor page. Next week, we will be reviewing and discussing The Crow. Back by popular demand, we'll have Tony joining us. Can't wait. And as always, this podcast was recorded on the Anchor app. So if you're looking to start a podcast of your own, try Anchor. It's great from a professional podcaster all the way down to a newbie. Until next week. Hey, did you ever see that movie?